you're listening to YYC Sociables, Calgary's social experiences podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Sociables, and my job is to make sure you have something fun to look forward to every week. In between these weekly episodes, get your fix by following me on Instagram at sarah.sociables. To begin the episode, let's thank our sponsor, and that is Mountain Bound Photography. So this is a local couple, Stephen and Brianne. They do beautiful photography at stunning natural locations. So as you could tell from the name, Mountain Bound Photography, a lot of these pictures are in the mountains with beautiful backdrops, very green, lots of beautiful spaces. Go check out their website. It's mountainboundphotography.ca or check out their Instagram, which is at mountainboundphotography. All right, so you'll notice that I'm back with another podcast. I think I my last episode was about two weeks ago where I said I was taking a break from podcasting due to the restrictions and I'm back already. So I'm taking a break from my break and the reason why is because this is really exciting actually. I got to interview a filmmaker at the Calgary International Film Festival, which I knew that I was, well, I had applied to do this in the summer. There's like an application process and my podcast got accepted and then I got matched up with this filmmaker. So I kind of knew it was going to happen, but I kind of didn't know at the same time. So yeah, I'm back with that episode. So if you're not into listening to an interview about a film you haven't seen, maybe this isn't the episode for you, but I think it was really a cool experience for me to learn about the making of the film and talk about all the background stuff and what went into writing the script. So I thought it was cool and I learned a lot. So that is what the bulk of this episode is going to be. Just giving you a heads up, it's different from my usual event stuff. But before I get into the interview, Let's do a little bit of just a general life update. As I mentioned, I am on a break from my break from podcasting. Uh, My plan right now is to spend some time working on the podcast and changing some things that I have been putting off because I've so been so busy actually working in the podcast, producing episodes. If I could take a step back and change some things, that's what I'm planning on doing for the next few months here. I'm thinking I can maybe relaunch YYC Sociables in January, but also I'm not making any promises because I've learned not to make promises anymore because things never go according to plan. So who knows when the podcast will be relaunched? I have no idea. But in the meantime, I might do like an episode here or there just to kind of keep the podcast chugging along so you don't forget about me completely. So maybe I'll do a few short life update episodes. So yeah, the podcast is in kind of just like a weird place right now. Um, And also so is the world I'd like to mention. So the reason that I paused the podcast was because of restrictions. And since then, only more restrictions have been added. I think I paused it when they had that, like the curfew that came into place um, at 10 p.m. And since then, they've implemented the vaccine passports. And now there are rumors of a complete lockdown happening. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But to kind of preempt that stuff, I already shut down like my podcast, my newsletter and canceled all my events with the exception of one, just because it doesn't make sense to me to be on that roller coaster of waiting for those press releases from Kenny and 
being on the edge of your seat every day. It's very like nerve wracking being in that atmosphere of uncertainty and not knowing what's going ahead and what's not. And just to like have some semblance of control, I figured it's easier for me personally, mentally, just to cancel everything and wait and concentrate on doing other things. Like I said, I've got tons of work I could be doing in the background rather than being on Kenny's roller coaster of what's gonna happen next. But I did allude to the one event that we are going forward with. We don't, well, I it's not a for sure because it could be shut down, but we are gonna do the pumpkin carving. It's happening October 20th, and it's very similar to what we did last year at Rail Yard. It was a big success last year. We sold out in advance. People were like begging us for tickets leading up to it. It was really fun. It was like an adult pumpkin carving night, so a lot of the pumpkins were kind of like inappropriate. Like they were doing all sorts of things that were hilarious. We had prizes for the pumpkins that were like artistic, funny. Um, I don't remember what the categories were, but we're going to do the exact same concept again this year, except we're going to do it at Legend 7. So that's kind of almost better because the location is more central. Rail Yard is way out by the airport. We love Rail Yard. They have really good beers, but we're going to try out Legend 7 beers for this time around. So make sure you jump on that if you want to get tickets. I think we're about a third sold out already, or maybe even a little bit more than that. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming this is going to sell out as well. The only problem is will it or will it not go ahead depending on what Kenny does with events who knows but we are planning on going fully with that one and I'm not going to do any other events so this is my only event until the end of the year 2022 where I'm going to well the end of 2021 and then the start of 2022 I should stay where I'm gonna reevaluate where we're at in terms of the province and think about if I am able to hold events again. Because I know a lot of people are asking me about the singles night. I get at least a couple DMs a week, people asking about doing a singles event. So I really want to do one in Valentine's, um, around Valentine's Day next year. So that's like in the back of my mind right now. But it's like, who knows where we're going to be as a province, right? At that point, like, Ah, planning is impossible. So I'm not planning anything. These are all just ideas. And I wanted to give you kind of a general sense of like where I'm at. But anyways, that is, that's just the state of how things are. Uh, let's get into this interview. So I have a little thing to read right here that the Calgary International Film Festival provided me. This episode was recorded on-site at the Calgary International Film Festival. Now in its 22nd year, the Calgary International Film Festival brings the best of Alberta, Canadian, and world cinema to Calgary each fall. Sign up for the KIF newsletter or follow at KIF Calgary on all platforms. So shout out to KIF for setting this up for me. Oh, I guess I should say SIF. It's not a hard C, it's like an S, SIF. Shout out to them for setting this up for me. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it really love supporting this awesome cinema festival that happens every year and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right well I am here today at the Calgary International Film Festival very special location very excited to be here recording with the filmmaker Philip Gregoire did I say that right? Yes Philip Gregoire exactly. Awesome well thanks so much for being here today I'm really excited to interview you today I feel a little bit like I'm interviewing a celebrity so this is extra special for that reason. So your film is debuting tonight and it's called The Noise of Engines and I wanted to ask you a few questions about it so let's start with a little bit of your history of filmmaking. So is this your 
third or fourth? I did a little bit of background research on you. So is this your third film, I think, something like that? Like you've done some shorter ones? Yeah, uh, this is my first feature film. Okay. And uh, this is my, I made three short films before that, and I studied uh, to be a screenwriter, so I, I studied in film school. And I also produced a, a feature film of a friend of mine in 2017. It's Association. Uh, but it was, this is my first feature film. I was a screenwriter, director, and producer on this one. Wow, that's yeah. a lot of different jobs at once. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Yeah, well, this is, this is about the, like when you're making a movies, you're always uh, having your hands in there everywhere, at, at touching everything. And so I was writing, and this is, yeah, because if we have to look at this movie, I don't know if you went through the production and our, how, how we made that movie, but it's made with Telefilm Canada, this program, Talent to Watch. Uh, which is for first feature film with a budget of $125,000. And I was really into making this first feature film. I wanted to do everything I can so it could be produced. And I went to my friend. I didn't know if it was going to work. And I said, could you jump onto this movie? And he said, my friend producer, I said, yeah, I don't have much time, but just write my name down. We'll, we'll do something in it. And suddenly we got accepted. We got the money. And my friend sent me an email saying, and what's happening now? And I said to him, well, we're making a movie. I was like, okay, when are we making a movie? And we, we made the movie in October. We started shooting in 2018. Mm -hmm. And after that, like, uh, we had to shoot again in 2019. And COVID happened. And we had to wait a year oh, to finish the movie. Yeah. That so, sucks. So now, now it's done. So, and yeah. we had the premiere uh, last week in San Sebastian at the San Sebastian International Film Festival. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, I was there with uh, the actor Robert Nader, main actor in the movie. Mm -hmm. I was there with Tanya Bjork, Icelandic actress, and uh, with H264, who's uh, the company responsible for distribution for this movie. Yeah. That's awesome. So you got to travel a little bit associated with it as well. Yes. This is something that I didn't know in film school, but uh, when you're a filmmaker, you, you get the opportunity to travel. And so I did it with my, my, my short films. I, had, I went to uh, Iceland. I went to, uh, I, I was in Spain. I was in Germany. I went to Austria. Well, th many different countries. Wow. And um, on this one, so... Now I'm in Calgary. So this is the first time I'm, sh I'm showing tonight uh, the movie to a Canadian audience. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, very happy about that. Um, and uh, so I'm going after that to Colombia. I'm going to France. Uh, I'm going to the US. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going then to London. And uh, what's next? Oh, I'm also going to Moncton, New Brunswick. But this is <laughs> things maybe I shouldn't say because uh, we, it's not released yet because uh, we got accepted oh, into film festivals. Nice. But uh, it's so all of these locations are film festivals that you're headed to. Wow! Yes. So that's yes. a big tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the closest you could get to uh, being on a on, on a tour uh, for a, a rock band tour. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. So how long does it take? Is this like a month long, or is this six months, or how do you go through this rotation um, of places? These festivals are mostly between now and. I think like mid-November. Okay. And uh, so, and, uh, and for a movie like this one, it's gonna be probably in festivals for about a year. Mm -hmm. And so, but but still, I expect this movie to be uh, like to be mostly into film festivals in the the first six months, and after that, it will still go to film festivals. But 
well, the thing is, this is my first feature film. I don't know what to expect from it. <laughs> and by the way, this is my very first podcast. Oh. I, I've been on, uh, on radio. I've been doing uh, <laughs> written medias, but this is my very first podcast. And I do listen to a lot of podcasts. That's so I'm very awesome. happy. I yeah. feel privileged then. That's great. I love podcasts too. I listen to a lot of podcasts. They're great. Mm. <laughs> so in terms of your film, uh, I th it's at least partially autobiographical, mm -hmm. right? So how much of your life influenced the script? Uh, okay, well, at first I was thinking that making a first feature film, I had to give a lot of myself, uh, being like, um, people will get to know me through this first feature film. This was something very important to me. I wanted to be um, humble and not to be shy in sharing like my past personal experiences. So that, that was like, from, from the get-go, this idea was behind the writing. And then I started to think, um, what are these little things of my own life that could be put into a movie and that would be some, somehow interesting for the people to, to watch uh, this movie? And then I thought of my personal experiences as a custom officer, like mm -hmm. student custom officer for, for Canada Customs, um, just nearby where I, I grew up, because I grew up very close to the U.S.-Canada border. And I was like, there, there are some stories and <laughs> that happened to me back there that could be interesting for, for an audience. And so this is like partly inspired in a way that I, I learned uh, like what you get to see in the, in the first part of the movie when they're really like they're just getting ready to how to use their firearms for the first time. Mm -hmm. This is something I, I went through. I learned that and I knew that it was to me, it was very cinematic in a way that people are moving, acting are really into it. Mm -hmm. And I was so this is like something that could be used. And uh, other than that would be, well, I grew up in this very small hometown. My hometown is Napierville, Quebec. And uh, there, there's absolutely nothing. It's a rural uh, re region of Quebec. And, uh, but we have a drag racetrack there. And I was thinking, so whenever I was telling people, uh, look, uh, I, I'm coming from this little place. And people were like, yeah, I think you have a racetrack. I was, yeah, this is, a, this is where I'm coming from. And so I thought, I was thinking that I should maybe shoot someday at this racetrack. And all of my previous short films, even though I've been living in Montreal now for, for more than 10 years, all of my short films have been made and shot in Napierville. It was very important to me. I'm always shooting there. This is where, whenever I'm, I'm thinking of writing, I go to Napierville, I take pictures of space I'd like to shoot, and it's, it inspires me a lot. I've never made a, a feature, like a short film or something. I've never, sh I've never been shooting in Montreal. It's always in this little home, in my hometown. This is very important to me. So this, this is like my hometown where I grew up is uh, all related to my past personal experiences. And also on my next feature film, I'm again going to Napierville and I wanna be shooting there again. Oh, I was gonna ask about that later, but since you brought it up, what do you got planned for your next film? Can you give us a little bit of info? <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't know what I was gonna be writing about when I started, um, but uh, it really surprised me that when I was doing some research on racetracks and what's happening in Napierville, and that I learned uh, that a lot of people are, because now people are moving from cities and they're going now to uh, different like uh, regions from the suburbs, and now they're going to my little hometown where it's mostly agricultural, and they're building their houses on these lands where people were 
mostly farms and working on land. Now it's moving to uh, people that are living there. And suddenly they're not quite happy about the racetrack because it makes a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. So, so we're, we're going through a time where it's, it's going to change over the next years. And I, I'm thinking of maybe having this ID that was not really into the first feature film and it's going to be in maybe in my on my second feature film and um but still again this sounds very uh serious subject political but it's i mean it's not going to be like that because i just i like to start with an idea that is coming from real life situation and then just keeps on moving and moving and see how these little things or these little decisions that we make, uh, they they have impact on each other and then suddenly really weird things could happen. This is what I did on my first feature film and I really enjoyed doing that. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I want to do it again on my second feature film. Yeah, I love that. That's so true, right? All the little things that have an impact and then the little twists and turns of life and then that's where you kind of end up at the end, right? Mm -hmm. So what about the title of your film, The Noise of Engines? How does that relate to the narrative of the script? Um, so this is probably the title, something that is closely related to my past personal experiences. Uh, growing up in this little village where whenever on Sundays they were having uh, like drag race, I could hear the car from far away going on Sundays. And like I grew up to that sound or that noise, uh, that noise of engines. And I do remember being away from home, let's say, for a film festival in some other country, and I was hearing these cars from like from far away and I was like oh it feels like Napierville to me <laughs> and um, so it's a good noise then you like the noise of engines this is it for for someone like me it, it reminds me of home mm. and it's very important to me um, but I do understand that for some people that are just coming to my hometown they're mm. like oh, I'm not so sure about that noise mm -hmm. but um, so it's I, I wanted to to have this this idea. The character of Alexandre in the movie at some point shares he shares this idea that this noise is reminds him of his hometown, and just like you said, it's something that at first could be um, not something that you're looking for to have in your life, but when you grew up with it, it's something that at some point would be a, it feels it feels just like eating comfort food to you. So yeah. That's so fascinating. I think that really plays into the film and because one of the things I noticed is like the juxtaposition of the transitions between scenes because they would have the like the I'm thinking of the scene where the actors are talking in their car and then it like cuts to like the hard revving of the engine and then it's back to them like talking in a field and then it cuts to like the hard engine and then they're just like chatting somewhere else. So does that play into the narrative with the the cutting of the scenes as well? Yeah, when I was first writing about the movie, I knew that like shooting at a racetrack, I was gonna have a lot of talks with uh, my my friend who's doing the mixing on the movie in a way that I was okay. So let's try to work with the sound and let's try to work with all these noise that you get to hear at a racetrack and. I knew that it was not, even though it's called the noise of engines and there, there are cars that goes on a racetrack. And I was thinking that like the audience, even though some people would love to have a, a race car type of movie, it's not, it's, it's not one. But at least I, was, I, w I wanted to have the sound. I wanted to, mm -hmm. to, to let them feel like this noise that they're used to here at the racetrack. So this is something that was really important to me. And I was thinking also that we could use it uh, just the way you were saying, saying it in a way 
from dealing with it with the editing and how we could work with it. So that was quite interesting to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely adds to the movie, I think. But yeah, you don't know what to expect when you start watching it because you see all of the, the donuts they're doing in the beginning. You're like, is this going to be a race car movie or like, where is this going? So there's a lot of twists that way, which I think keeps it interesting and keeps the keeps the viewer engaged for sure, which is great. And yeah, maybe I could add on this uh, mm -hmm. idea of the donuts. Like at first, when I I wanted to add the donuts, I was let's have the the like the beginning credits, and then you have like the name of the main actors and actresses, and you have in big like you have the title of the movie, and so the people, the audience would be like, all right, we're done now, and then suddenly you have another uh, another frame of uh, another car who's doing donuts, and it goes on for another I think a minute and a half. <laughs> so I was telling to me it was just like telling the audience. Um, at first, you thought like after the first car, you were oh we're done, and now the movie's gonna gonna start. And 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 by doing that, I was like no, by the way, it's it's still it's still it's going on. So it's not that kind of movie that you're expecting where it's mm -hmm. going. You're gonna get like something else tonight. So that mm -hmm. was very important to me to tell the audience at first in the first few minutes of them watching the movie. Yeah, it sets the tone for the rest of the movie. You're going to keep guessing all the way through, which I think is true. I kept guessing. I'm like, where is this movie going? Where? And then you just got to watch and find out. Go along for the ride, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned that you were finished in like 2018, 2019, and, or that's when you're filming, and then you wanted to launch, and then the pandemic got in the way. So was that kind of, well, I imagine that was pretty crappy because you wanted to launch, but it gave you extra time for editing, right? So what did you, how did it change after that? What editing did you do that you wouldn't have done before? Yeah, some, like for editing a few things, uh, like it, it had an impact on a few, like just a little, a little things. Mm -hmm. And cause I had some more time to show it, to show the movie to some friends and and even though I didn't do, I know that some people they do a lot of, of uh, editing and when they're like showing and sharing it f with friends to get some comments, but I didn't. This is like I, I, this is not something that I love. I mean, editing is so hard on me, and just think like I'm with the editor. I'm, I'm I ha we're talking a lot. I have some very close friends that could watch the movie, but uh, I was done with it. But also I. I got some friends that said some uh, like little few things that maybe change a little, but not that much on anything. But I, we were doing, uh, when the pandemic started, we were doing sound and that changed a lot. And we were also doing, uh, we were getting ready with all the uh, press matter material uh, on like digital press kit, but also the trailer. Mm -hmm. So, and everything was closed. So I was on my own. I was like, yeah, well, I'm just gonna do the trailer. So I was having everything, getting everything ready. And then when like, I, I believe we finished uh, the the sound mixing, cause I, like, like I said, even though if, if you're moving just a, a few scenes here and there, just like, oh, let's switch this image, then you have to do, uh, to again, start the mixing and just making sure that everything fits. So we had to do it until February, I believe, or March, 2021. This is when we finished the movie. Oh, okay. Was, did it all go according to plan or is there anything, once you were done, you kind of looked back and you're like, oh, I wish we could have, wish that scene would have been a little bit different or anything you'd go back and do differently? Um, what I could say is that something that we didn't plan uh, that happened is that 
uh, we were shooting in October 2018, and there were some scenes that we couldn't shoot, like uh, the scene at the racetrack when you're inside the car and she's driving on the racetrack. And we couldn't shoot that scene uh, in October, and I was, and then we were leaving for Iceland for four days of shoot in Iceland. And I was, all right, so on our way back, we need one day or two to shoot uh, this at the racetrack. We're missing it right now. And when we, we got back, it was snowing, and um. so it was already over for us. Mm -hmm. And I was, okay, so what are, like, we're going to do it in May and 2019, and this is what we did. And we, we knew that there were some scenes that, like, we, we maybe missed a shot or two, and we, we, we did, like, two days of shooting, like, just a little random things. Um, but uh, this is something that I really did appreciate, uh, to have some more time because we did mm -hmm. a lot of editing during the winter and I was coming in in a way that, all right, so if I need something, let's maybe change this little things here and there. And in May 2019, this is what we did. And I really did enjoy that because it helped the movie a lot. And on my next feature film, I'm thinking of instead of just being surprised and being, okay, let's have another shoot uh, a few months later, I'm thinking of let's have two different shooting and make this part of the, the writing. So it could be shooting on different seasons, saying that this, this is gonna be shoot, like we're gonna shoot this during winter time, and this is something we're gonna shoot during summertime. So this is something that I'd like to add to the next script. Yeah, that's a good learning then as you go forward and do your next film. So what about in terms of what went best with this film? Because it's your first feature film. So what are you most proud of or what aspect do you think went really exceptional? Uh, I must admit that when we made that movie, I was thinking that let's make something different. Let's try our best to do something that people are we're just going to be surprised by it because no one is expecting us. No one is looking for what we're going to do. And, and I mean, it, nothing's going to happen. There are so many movies, so many talented people that are yeah. making movies every year, every month. So our movie is just one movie from all the big bunch. And I was thinking nothing's going to happen with it, but just, let's do our best. Like we're, we're giving it, a, it our best shot at it and see what happens next. And we, I was, I'm a big fan like film, uh, I'm a big cinephile and I watch a lot of movies. I go to festivals all the time and I did a lot. Of, I, I went to many film festivals with my short, my, my previous short films because I just enjoy it a lot. And when we got accepted at the San Sebastian International Film Festival, I was very happy. I was very proud of that because it was like, suddenly people were looking at the movie and they were getting some interest towards the movie and it changed everything for the movie and now, um, the movie is like the movie is gonna be on Radio Canada, uh, and uh, I mean, so, like uh, we're going to many film festivals, mm -hmm. and this is it, like I was very happy to have the that Robert Neller, the actor and the actress Tanya Björk with me in San Sebastian. This is something that would have never happened without the San Sebastian Film Festival selection. So this is something that really surprised me, and uh, I'm trying to. Like I've learned a lot going through that, and I'm, I yeah. This is also I could say um, I learned a lot in a way that I when I made that movie I was thinking let's be uh, bold, let's try to make like let's be risky on this one, and even though it's a very subtle movie at some point people are gonna some people are gonna get it, and I'm very like now I do understand that people are getting it. It's when I've been reading. Um, the critics, what they've been saying, I'm like, 
yeah, they're getting exactly what I wanted with that movie. And now I'm like, on the, on the next movie, I'm going to be, I have to be risky. I have to be into like these little spaces where I'm really unsure, or maybe it's uh, dangerous for me to go there, but let's try it and we'll learn from that. Yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah, you got to take a little risk. You don't got to be different. You want to stand out, right? Especially it's your first feature film. Mm. So you got to kind of make a name for yourself that way. And obviously it's paid off if you're going to all these film festivals and getting a lot of hype that way. So good for you. That's really impressive. Yeah, and also as a cinephile, whenever I'm watching a first feature film, I'm looking at, okay, so what, what is it that this person has to offer me? Because can I, can I get 10 other movies of that person? So I'm just like, come on, give, give me like something to, to hope for in, in your upcoming movies. So I was thinking at least on this one, I have to give this hope for the audience. Okay, so how do you think it's influenced your style going forward? Is your next one going to be very similar or are you going to play risky and kind of go even different from what you've done? I have to say that I'm going to be risky uh, <laughs> in a way that um, I've been reading critiques and it's funny that I tried to make this movie as honest as possible in a way that I was, I've made short films in the past and I was maybe trying to look at my models, my, the filmmakers that I love, and I was maybe trying to, to duplicate their work. And on this one, I was like, no, let's just do things my way. Just accept the way I am. I'm never going to be this super great film director. I'm just going to be m m this little Philippe Grégoire that mm -hmm. I am. And I, I, suddenly I, I learned that it's... It's, um, it's something that a lot of people were, when I was watching at San Sebastian, were really into the movie and they were laughing at places that were funny to me because it's, it's a deadpan kind of movie. It's a, it's a tongue in cheek. And people were laughing. I was like, okay, so I thought I was just the only one <laughs> laughing on the side, but no. And um, I'm, I'm thinking that, yeah, I could just, again, be like being myself all the time on this next movie. And uh, I mean, where I'm sharing my life with like we're we're all in the same situation we're going through life and people probably they relate to that because it's being very honest and they can feel that their life maybe looks a little like mine too so yeah yeah, yeah you brought up the humor it's kind of a dark humor a little bit right like especially I like the interactions between Alexander and the police because he would start out a little bit respectful and then he would kind of get some attitude with them and then that would then it would go astray for him so was that that was sounds like it was intentional right like is that the kind of humor you like uh yes I <laughs> love dark humor and I was thinking that on my next one there should be m even more dark humor than, than in I this agree one. I liked it that was my favorite part I think yeah <laughs> yeah well um yeah so I, I I like it and also I this is something that I found very funny that when I was working for for customs and uh, sometimes like um uh what, what is it the RCMP they have to uh, to come by and say if everything's okay and they have to talk with each other and I do remember that uh customs agent were looking at the police officer being like look at these guys what are they doing and in a way that they were judging are are they working hard or what what are they doing these people mm -hmm. and and i was feeling it like come on they're doing the same job as we're doing <laughs> and they're like oh no 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 in a way that, that they were thinking that we're doing our job i don't know what these guys are doing probably i'm sure the police officer were looking <laughs> at customs agent being what are these guys doing all day long and yeah, i was the attitude between yes, the people the yeah, authority. yeah and this is the part that i wanted to have like the police officer looking at this custom agent being like 
you know what? At customs, we know how to do our. Uh, at at the police, we know how mm -hmm. to do our our job. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I was like, yeah, okay, let's let's have this attitude. And I wanted, to, I also wanted the 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 actor of Ale no no the the character of, of Alexandre being a little uh, um, unimpressed by the police because he's he's working on on this side. So he knows how to to deal with these people. And I wanted him to be in a way that, hey, you know, I know my rights, even though he's very young to me, he's like 22 years old, and he's full confidence, like he's full confident in, in himself. And I wanted him to be, um, to be bold all the time and to be aggressive towards anyone, not being afraid of anyone. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, this is something that I, I, I wanted to be in the character of Alexandre, yeah. Yeah, he definitely had attitude towards authority figures. So is that part of your narrative as well? Like kind of that pushing against authority? Because that was also kind of in the story in the beginning with the customs characters, because they were talking a little bit about how customs has changed in Canada and something about how that they're not sure that that's the way it should be. So I, I felt that push against authority throughout the movie. Um. <laughs> Yes, uh, maybe what I, I, I could say about that is that like in the beginning of the movie, you have like these customs officer and they're coming from very different backgrounds. And this is something that I enjoy at customs that even though like these people, their customs officer, they're all part of the main like of a team at some point. They all have to work for the same reason, but also they all have their own opinion and, they, and no one was afraid of saying their opinion out loud. And in a way that they could be honest to be, uh, there are some of the people that were getting uh, armed that they were saying, yeah, I'm all in for, I, I'm all in for that new policy. Uh, I've been rooting for it. And some others were, you know what, I'm on the opposite. I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I don't want that. And this is something that um, was really important to me to, to, to share with the audience because back then, and, and this is also where I'm coming from, I, I was a student, I was studying cinema, and I was doing, I was working as a custom agent, and people were, like, I was surrounded by people that, just like myself, were maybe studying, uh, I think they were like lawyers, or people uh, doing business administration, and nowadays it totally changed. The new customs agents are people that probably studied to become police officers, or they went to the army, so it has changed a lot, and I wanted, in, and like what I wanted is to have in the movie something that shows you wh what it has been and nowadays it has changed. It's, and it's also part of uh, telling an old story. This is how it changed throughout the years. And uh, on getting back to your, uh, <laughs> to your question about um, maybe something against authority, uh, I think that when you're filmmakers, you're a filmmaker, you always have to deal with there, there are some lines that you have to follow, but if you don't try your best at just being like on the other side or just being not afraid or fighting against something, this is gonna help you as a filmmaker if you're, you're against everything or you have this very strong idea that is not mm -hmm. going with the crowd, but you believe in it and you wanna talk about it. So this is also part of being a filmmaker. So probably this is also into me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting undertone, and yeah, it definitely added to the script, I think, without like overtly saying it, right? So let's talk about the actors. How did you find them? Like, where were they Canadian? I, don't, I think the female Tanya is her name. She wasn't, right? 
No, she's from Iceland. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so this is the producer that came to me because at first I was thinking, um, I was I had no idea who was gonna play this character because I know some people they're writing and they're having this idea of oh this is gonna be this actor and this is gonna be that actress doing that part. And I was no, I was just writing the, the, the characters. And then suddenly the producer said to me, I have to look for a, a French speaking actress from Iceland. And I was, oh yeah. The, like, <laughs> That's a very small population to yeah. be able to find that specific request. Yeah, I was, I, we're going to spend a lot of energy on that. Are we going to, is it going to happen? It was a, and you really fight for that idea. And I was like, okay, let, let's do it. And to be honest, that, that was a, such a good idea. Like sometimes uh, you have to listen to the producer. They know their stuff. And on this one, Andrew has been very good. And so all of the, the actresses that speaks French from Iceland, I've met them all. <laughs> all of it. them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so Tanya was one of the actresses. Uh, and I really like her voice because I knew that at some point she will be speaking over uh, a CD that plays to any, like the character of Alexandre is listening to her voice. And I really liked the way she was telling that story when we did the audition with her. And um, because of that, uh, I was like, yeah, I think we could work with Tanya. And we wanted to make sure that it was okay. It was a very low budget and she had to stay at my parents' place during the, oh, the film wow. shoot. And I was like, I, I'm not bringing Hollywood to you. I'm bringing Napierville to you, Tanya. Yeah. And um, she was very fine with that. And she was very happy to be part of the movie. So it was uh, quite easy to work with her. And uh, But the rest of the crew are all people from, from Quebec. And this is something that is great in making movies in Quebec, is that people are asking me, because like Marie-Thérèse Fortin, Marc Beaupré, um, Robert, Robert Naylor, they're, they're well known in Quebec. Oh, okay. And people are in Quebec are asking me, so how, how do you get these actors and actresses for your movie, even though I'm, I'm a total unknown for people? I say, well, you just have to send them an email and they, they <laughs> read the that's script. That's all you got to do? <laughs> yeah, well, you, that's it. You send them an email and they're, mm -hmm. they're going to read the script mm -hmm. and then you can go and meet them, talk mm -hmm. with them. And if they, they look at their, their schedule and they have time for it, they're going to be in. And this is very nice of all of them, and they're very talented people. Mm -hmm. So it helps a lot for for movies uh, that we're we're doing uh, in Quebec. And this is something that we can hope for. We're gonna, always going to have good actor and actresses in our movies, so that helps a lot when you're starting with this idea. Yeah, yeah definitely. I thought they did a really good job. I thought they they nailed the parts for sure because it was a little bit like. They had to be kind of reserved and like deadpan a little bit, and they both like owned that really well, like that quirkiness. So, so kudos to them. Good job. Yes, and also it's not it's not a a, a language that is very easy. What because it would it could have been perfectly Quebec slang, but at some points I tried to add words that are maybe a little less uh, maybe how should I say that that could be more in a way that you, you would be reading these words in literature, but not using it in real life. And I, I added that in the, in the script. And so sometimes like actors and actresses were, well, this is kind of weird that I'm saying that. I said, yeah, I want, I want that, that mm -hmm. part because I want people to feel that this movie, is, it's a movie, it's not real life, I'm not making a documentary. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that this is exactly what's happening in Napierville. I don't want to, people to think that 
this is what I'm saying about Canada Customs. Because at some point, people are going to look at this movie th thinking, okay, so this is Philip Grégoire's story. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he was a custom agent. Uh, he's coming from this hometown. So whatever he's telling in this movie, this is all the truth. Mm -hmm. And I was, no, 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 no. I don't <laughs> want people to think that. So I wanted to add like this maybe part of suddenly it feels a little awkward, feels a little weird. And this is also the reason why I tend to, to use uh, um, like some, some shots with a lot of landscape and you have like these tiny characters. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have some space between uh, the audience like watching this scene in front of them and getting what the, 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 like the dialogues that they're getting so they could feel that there's like a little distance mm -hmm. and, and instead of getting it right into their face, they have to think before what they're like, they're getting the, the dialogues to them. Yeah, so. that's separation. So you're saying like, this isn't just a real life story. This is a film. You made this script very intentionally and wrote these words intentionally to have that, that barrier in people's minds when they're watching it. Interesting. So what about the ending? So I felt it was left fairly open and like up to interpretation because I still was left with some questions in my mind. So was that intentional? You wanted people to be kind of reflecting back on it at the end? Yeah, because to me what happened, like I'm spoiler alert, I'm going <laughs> to say what happens in the movie here <laughs> at, in the, at the end especially. Uh, yeah, like at, at the end of the movie, the, the character of Alexandre, he has it seems like he has nowhere to go like this ex like this moment where he, he was thinking that okay i i like this little place where i grew up i this is this is part of myself i, I don't have to look around anymore this is where i want to be and then suddenly uh, the police came they, they they come in and they say by the way you have to leave you're not allowed to be here anymore and i was to me it was all right. So, where, what's next? Do you you now? What, what, what's yeah? What's gonna be? Uh, what's gonna happen to you? And I was thinking that he he did met the character of Tanya, like the character of Adel Bjork in the movie, and let's move to Iceland. And to me, Iceland is something that we could all think of um, a place where um, we, we know of Iceland, its landscape, but what, what it is that we know. And also as, a, as people from Quebec, we, I mean, we're always saying we're, we're seven, like we're six millions of French speakers uh, surrounded by mostly people that speak English. But I was thinking, but Iceland, there are 350,000 people. They speak their own language. They're, they have their own culture. Uh, this is very interesting, like learning from them. Um, and uh, so, so, so Iceland was very interesting to me. And also the, the character of Alexandre going to what she's been telling him about. Like there is this racetrack in Afnafjordu. And at some point, like when you're hearing that in the movie, you're not expecting to see Iceland and to see this racetrack and to see what <laughs> yep. she's talking about. And I wanted to get that feeling into the movie at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was like an unexpected twist, but then it left it open still because you're like, what's going to happen next? And yeah. so what was the emotion that the viewer was supposed to be left with? Because he was kind of still angry at the end because he's yelling at the ocean, but at the same time he's free. So he's kind of got a new fresh start. So you're kind of, it's like mixed emotions. Yes. Yes. Even though he's, he's like, he seems quite unhappy to me. It's, it's been a process to him, like going to the, 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 char the character of Alexandre at first he, 
he's doing work that he doesn't like probably he's, he's, he's very unhappy about his life and then suddenly he's at a point where he has to make decisions on his life on his future and i do believe that at the end of the movie he made some decisions based on his like his talks with adel bjork and what he learned throughout the movie and even though he's in iceland now at this moment to me it's also being uh, on a on a trip you know when you're on a trip uh, you'll you'll be on your trip but you'll be thinking about home you'll be thinking at your like where are you at your space where where are you gonna be after your trip what what's what are your next uh project and to me alexander is at this point in his life like now he, he made some decision and he's he could build from that after his trip mm -hmm. yeah okay i like that kind of wraps it up in my mind anyway <laughs> Okay, just a few more questions for you. So what do you think makes this film stand out at the Calgary International Film Festival? Oh, that's a very good question. <laughs> um, well, when we made that movie, we were thinking that um, it's a movie that you're either gonna, gonna love it or hate it. It's not a movie, like I didn't wanna make a movie where, to me, that, like the worst experience you could have at cinema is that let's say you're talking about uh, a music concert that you've been to to a friend and then the movie ends like an hour and a half later and then you keep on going on what you were talking before the movie this is terrible like the, <laughs> the worst experience you could get mm -hmm. and i was thinking that i want people to be at some point they, they will have to talk about the movie they will have to say hey did you like the movie or it's gonna be they love it or they hate it so if you're looking this is what i would like to say to people at the looking for a movie at the festival if you're looking for something that is gonna be a little different uh that is taking chance that is risky i've said it before mm -hmm. uh this is something that you could look for um and uh yeah, this is what I would say about the movie. And if you're looking for Icelandic rap, well, there is Icelandic rap in the movie. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a selling feature right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So is this your first time in Calgary then? This is my very first time in Calgary. Oh. So when, when the movie got selected, I said uh, from the get-go, I said to Brenda, uh, yeah, is there a possibility for me to come to Calgary? And she was like, yeah, maybe. And from there, yeah, this is this is people I'm talking to and when I'm sending emails, maybe this is their voice inside of me. Yeah, maybe. This is, <laughs> I know. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, well, no, no, this is my very first time. And my mom, she has her aunt here. And so she has cousin here. And uh, they couldn't get to see the movie. Uh, but uh, they were very happy about it. But Aww. yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to be here. And uh, So how long are you here for? I'm leaving on Monday. Okay. And uh, I've been talking to people here. And some of them were, were telling me, well, you get a... Well, the, 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 like, I knew that I should be going outside of the city and going to um, all these oh, places like that the you know. Exactly, yes. I didn't, want, I didn't want to say it, but um, but the thing is, I'm also, there's like, movies are good at, at the festival here, yeah, and I want to watch a lot of movies. while you're here. Yeah, and I want to watch a lot of movies. I'm just in a, in a position right now where, okay, there is tomorrow, there is still Sunday. Uh, how am I going to use this 18 hours I have? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, I still don't know. I'll think about that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to see if I could give you some, like, restaurant recommendations or if you want to explore the city, see some art or, I don't know. Well, I guess there's that 
giant marionette doll that is climbing the Devon building today. Did you hear about that? No, you I, know did, I didn't. You don't know that's happening? No. So from 7 to 10 p.m., they have a giant marionette doll that's like a wire structure. It's 30 feet tall, I think, and it's going to climb the skyscraper over there. Really? Yes. Okay, so for, for people that are listening to the podcast before the movie is screening, the movie is at 7.30. Oh, no. And then after the movie, after we the could... After the movie, go see it. Yeah, yes, okay, yes. I'm, this, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, that's part of uh, Beakerhead, which is a well-known, like, science thing that Calgary... It's like a science festival, I guess you could call it, that usually happens in September. And so it was kind of canceled because of COVID, but they brought back a portion of it just for today with the film festival to kind of like combine the two things. Okay. It's just a neat thing that's happening. And plus you're in Eau Claire, so there's lots of good restaurants to check out. And there's the, the bow building has a sculpture underneath it. That's a giant head. It's a Wom Plensa. You should go check at that. Check okay. out that. It's really neat. Kind of, kind of trying to think of like highlights of downtown, what you could see in like 24, 36 hour period or however long mm -hmm. you have left. But yeah, that's all the questions that I had for you. Was there anything that I didn't ask you that you maybe wanted to bring up before we wrap up? No, like I said, at first, this was my very first podcast. It's been my very first feature film. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I love to learn. Uh, I learned a lot on making this first feature film. And uh, I'm really looking forward to thinking tomorrow morning what I've learned from doing this podcast too. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here. This was great. I know I learned a lot. Now I have insider look at the film, so it makes that much more sense to me. <laughs>